This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good Thursday afternoon. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. We are live streaming on our YouTube channel. So all the 70 people already into this as we just start this up because we got some Illinois basketball recruiting to talk about. It was a little bit of a quiet week after a very busy week last week. But then Derek Piper drops one of his pipe bombs. Quincy Garrier, the Oregon transfer, is uh, visiting Illinois right now, getting into town on Thursday uh, for an official visit here as Illinois tries to add some more age, some more experience to its roster. We'll break all of that down. But here we go, Derek. Uh, Illinois has been busy in this transfer portal, man. It's heated up. Yeah, I know there was a little bit of anxiety of you see Indiana getting Kalel Ware and some other teams making some noise early and uh, Illinois has been patient they, they've had a plan of trying to get older trying to find role players obviously and uh, we can get into it but it seems like the plan has been geared towards the hope of getting both Coleman Hawkins and having a legit chance to get Terrence Shannon Jr. back so uh, within the last week and a half two weeks you had Damask and Harmon pop on the same day early last week and then got a little quiet and then all of a sudden here's Gary A in the portal and less than 24 hours later he has a visit scheduled to Illinois so uh, we'll break all that down but yeah. yeah things have been moving and now we have a pretty good idea of who's sticking from this roster and then piecing it all together we still got to wait on those draft decisions but We've had some news to talk about. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into this, I'll let people kind of get into this uh, the live stream here a little bit. But uh, Illinois football spring game postponed to Friday. Now just an open spring scrimmage, which you basically see a lot of the things you would see otherwise. You can still see a lot of this team. I don't expect a lot of the stars to play. But uh, won't be keeping stats, won't be keeping score from what I understand of this. Uh, but I do think it's actually better for recruiting and better for fans, Derek, uh, if they would have showed up to a spring game and it's storming and they have to go home right away. I, I just don't think a lot of people would have came tonight. So I thought it was a smart decision for Illinois, even though it stinks that you're not on Big Ten Network now. Uh, it's not an actual spring game. You're not going to have these stats. But we're still going to get a look at the team, uh, which is what we all want, at least us. I mean, to, to get more of an idea of this team, we've only seen one scrimmage so far. So to get two gives you a little bit more of a sample size. Definitely. Yeah, it's disappointing you don't get the TV coverage for sure. And I'm not going to necessarily miss the whoever the, the sideline reporter touchdown or the special guest celebrity, whatever. I don't, I don't know what Brett Bielema had up his sleeve, but 
as far as fans being able to go out there in some better weather for sure and then just the evaluation of I mean let's be honest we usually at least I do gravitate to the quarterback I know you like to dive in on the 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 big guys up front but if it's storming and raining and lightning and we can't even play in lightning but no. Can you get much from Luke Altmeyer? Can you see much of, of what Illinois has a quarterback, the skill positions? It's a better quality of football for the staff to see and then also for those like you and Joey that'll be there and the fans to kind of sit back and enjoy that one. That's That makes all the sense in the world. Hey, and we had quarterback number one on things to watch, so we, we weren't too uh, bougie about, hey, line play, line, which we did talk a lot about that on our spring game preview. But no, the quarterbacks, we want to see more of those guys, right? They're the most important guys on the field. Uh, also, before we get to uh, more about Quincy Guerriere, a lot of women's basketball, man, what a start to their offseason is they hire Stanford assistant Brittany Anderson. And why this is so impressive is she's done really well at one of the top programs in the country in Stanford. But Shauna Green just stole an assistant coach from a Hall of Fame coach, a five-time National Coach of the Year in Tara Vanderveer. So to add one of the top transfer you know, posts in the country in Camille Hobby, and then to add an assistant like this to replace Ryan Gensler, who goes to Akron as the head coach, uh, pretty impressive start to the offseason. Like, you know, I don't think this year one is just a fluke. Like it, it's going to take work just to get back to the NCAA tournament, Derek. Like it's, it's a hard thing to do, especially in the big 10. But if you weren't a believer in Shauna green after the season, you certainly should be more of a believer now and what she's done so far this off season. Yeah. There's a really good foundation there now and having the ability, obviously when you come in you can go to the portal and, and get some immediate upgrades for a roster that definitely needed it. But even to like get Calamity McIntyre to come back to her staff when she went to Texas and yeah. was part of a program that went to the NCAA tournament to do that on the front end and and now to have another addition from a, a very good program at Stanford and seemed to be a belief in the coaching paternity in, in Shauna Green and wanting to work for her and I think that this just furthers the momentum and ability to go get players and we've seen it with Brad Underwood surrounding himself with some very good assistants that can help bolster that roster is really important and uh, just shows that there's a belief in, in what she's doing. And no, I agree with you. I don't think it is a fluke. And yeah. I, a lot of people latched onto this team this past year, which they should. I mean, it was a, a fun team to watch. It was a competitive team. It had been a, a long, long time since there was a reason to be that interested in Lionel Wins basketball. And I think if that can continue, it would just be a, a great thing to see and another sport to, to really dive in and follow. And we saw the sport explode. Uh, in the last couple yeah. of years. I think the increased coverage, but the star power, uh, especially in the Big Ten. I mean, Caitlin Clark is, is an amazing player, but uh, just the star power across the country, getting more exposure like they have. Uh, and it's amazing how quickly the tide can turn, right, uh, of just what the general sense of what a program is in one year. I mean, going from a laughing stock uh, that nobody has interest in to a sport we are really intensely covering. Joey Wagner's doing a fantastic job of covering that program, and we're, we're spending some resources doing it because, and spending time doing it because it's it's really good, it's interesting, and it's fun to watch. Um, before we get to more, uh, Brandon Lieb. Lieb season staying in state, just heading up uh, I-74 there, going to normal Bloomington. He'll play for Illinois State. He'll play for former Illini staffer Ryan Peden. I think Brandon Lieb is a good fit there. I, I think Brandon Lieb can make an impact there. Like there's not a lot of guys with that kind of length in the Missouri Valley conference, Derek. So good for Brandon Lieb. I think he's going to get his opportunity. Yeah. I like the fit and the competition level to be able to go to the Valley. And I, yeah. Like you said, there's not a lot of legit 
seven foot size there and, and can be a someone that can protect the rim and he's shown that his strength has, has been added and his he just looked significantly better this past season significantly yeah. more serviceable in the Big Ten being able to get thrown out there in some minutes against Minnesota and just looked like he belonged Ohio State was another example where he's blocking Bryce Sensabaugh and the experience of battling Kofi and then just playing in those uh, battles in, in Ubbin obviously helped him and it's to show that he can now be a little bit more seasoned and has played in some games now. So I, I like what Ryan's doing, doing, being able to get Ty Pence in the yeah. recruiting uh, front as well and bring in some in-state guys. Some of that, uh, when you look around at, you know, what's going on at Eastern and Illinois State and, and some of these programs, sometimes it seems like they haven't made the the obvious commitment to just getting guys from the state. And uh, I think that, yeah, Lee at Illinois State with two years of eligibility left for him to have a chance to get some legit playing time. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Dan Muller did a great job to start with some transfers, um, but his most successors with guys like Paris Lee as his point guard. And then he just didn't recruit the state, kept going to the transfer route. And I just kept going, why aren't, why aren't you recruiting Kendall Moore? Why aren't you recruiting some of these guys in state? And you know who did was Porter Moser. And now Porter Moser's at a high major job, and, and Dan Muller doesn't have a Division One job. So uh, I, I just didn't understand it. It's not easy all the time, but uh, you got to invest in it. And I feel like Ryan Peden is doing that at Illinois State. But that's not why people tuned in, Derek. Is the third time a charm for Illinois men's basketball to land? Quincy Guerrier, Oregon transfer, visiting this weekend. Uh, Derek, give people a little bit of background, because Brad Underwood has recruited this guy now three times. Sometimes you just got to keep asking that girl out and see if she says yes. Um, Dang right. I, I am proof of that, Derek. Is that right? <laughs> yes. That, I was told no a few times, but you just keep asking. You, keep, you don't you don't go you don't push too hard, yeah. but you just hey, I'm here. I'm here if you want me. Right. And, and they were on a Zoom with them back in 2021 when you hit the transfer portal after 2 years at Syracuse, but like you said, it goes back a lot further than that, where they prioritized him out of high school. He was in that 2019 class. He took an official visit the fall of 2018. And they thought for a while that they were in a pretty good spot. Syracuse was closer to home, where he's from Montreal, and, and at least a driving distance for his family, four-hour drive to Syracuse. And, and Syracuse has had a lot of success, too. So uh, not just to pin it on uh, proximity to home, but uh, Illinois was involved with him, had already hosted him on an official visit. There's familiarity with the family. Uh, obviously, Quincy, knowing the campus and knowing Brad Underwood, that uh, helps to kickstart what's been a, a very fast pursuit. He's been in the portal for like 48 hours and already had a visit scheduled to Illinois yesterday. So uh, you would imagine that, yeah, that there was some maybe some back channeling a little bit as far as Quincy saying, hey, I'm going to be available and this is a spot that I've liked before. And But yeah, it's it's someone that Coming out of high school, had good size, uh, six foot seven, six foot eight forward, uh, could shoot it. And originally at Syracuse, his three point numbers weren't great. Now his sophomore year was was really really good, where he was a third team All ACC selection. He averaged like 13, 14 points a game, eight and a half boards, which is really really good. And he's developed just into this really physical forward, six foot eight, two twenty. I think he's more of a four where he played on the wing at Oregon and they had big lineups. Like they had Khalil Ware, they had, uh, and Folly Dante, they had three seven footers last year and, and really had Gary Air, uh, Gary A more on the wing. So I think defensively that as you look into his metrics, which weren't very good last year, uh, that was a little bit of an issue. He had a 
stretch where he started in the starting lineup midseason, was pulled off and, and a bench player, but then finished pretty strong and, and was back in the as a starter last year. If you look there on, on his stats, his three-point numbers have improved as far as percentage each and every year. And 35% on like 153s last year, that's a capable shooter at the very least. And uh, Illinois needs more of those. You look at his rebounding, uh, that's something that I think complements well, especially we've been focusing on the front court because Brad has said he wants to make an addition there. I've thought for a while, and they have been active with some five men. Jesse Edwards is a guy they liked a lot. Uh, they ultimately weren't in the final mix with him. He commits to West Virginia. Uh, you have Hunter Dickinson as, a, as an option, at least they've shown interest in. Caden Shedrick, who they weren't in the final mix. But to get a four and maybe double down on playing Hawkins more at the five if he does come back, I think with his physicality could fit really well with Coleman. So uh, pre-established relationship. I think there's a fit for him regardless of what Shannon and, and Hawkins do. And they have him on campus as we speak. And it's less than, two, you know, less than 48 hours since he hit the portal. Yeah. And I think we would assume there's a pretty dang good chance uh, that Illinois can land him uh, because of how quickly this has moved and in their previous relationship as well. To be honest with you, Derek, like, listen, I, I think Caden Shedrick is a phenomenal player. Uh, Jesse Edwards would have been great. Um, if Coleman Hawkins returns, I think I might, I might rather have a guy like Quincy Guerriere. I, I think I'd rather have because I have so much faith in Coleman to play the four or the five. And I think the ability of Coleman to play the five, Quincy Guerriere's got some strength to him. I think he can guard some lower, you know, some smaller fives in in the Big Ten. I don't want to compare him exactly to this because he's not as efficient of a shooter or scorer quite yet. Maybe he could be with a team that can spread the floor a little bit more for him than playing with two centers. But the Joey Hauser kind of role, right, where he's a pick-and-pop guy but also strong enough to post people up, finish at the rim, solid rebounder, knows where to be defensively, maybe not a lead at those things. But I think this is a – like, I know this isn't going to be the the guy that excites everybody and, and you won the offseason because of this, but you put this with Damask, you put this with – Harmon, like these are good proven college basketball players that don't just do one thing and they're versatile and they're more complete players who seem to have really high basketball IQs as well. So Brad Underwood wants to get older, that's for sure, but I think he wants to get more versatile. And like you said, I, I think there's a lot of value in Quincy Guerriere could play alongside Coleman Hawkins, could play alongside Dane Danger, and say Hawkins goes pro, now I can go add another five, a long five if I want to, that can, that can protect the rim. So I think Brad Underwood's moves are kind of versatile in that like you can pivot in, in certain ways, and, and maybe as you've written, Quincy Guerriere was a, a pivot himself. Yeah, I think so. And I, I was trying to think within the Big Ten of a comp, and, and Hauser was a guy that came to mind for me as well I, like you said maybe not and Dante Scott there you have that Tommy. maybe not the the playmaker that Dante was I think he was a pretty good passer but he has done some mid post stuff like he's someone that can post up some some smaller guys if he gets a switch or a matchup where he, he's not facing someone that's physical we know that Dante really hurt Illinois when he was against Demonte Williams uh, Jacob Grandison, obviously, when Illinois was switching and putting point guards on him, which didn't work out too well. But uh, he's a a guy that is not going to shy away from contact. He does a good job there in the paint of being physical. Uh, I think offensive rebounding-wise is something that's always been a pretty good strength from him. 
Uh, and I think watching some of his tape last night, he crashes really well from the perimeter to get in good position and get after it on the glass and can drive it a little bit too. He's got kind of a – can play in the dunker spot kind of if you hit him in that baseline and he makes a move there. And the three-point shot, well, I know he, as a freshman, shot like 18% from three and low 30s uh, at Syracuse, and it's ticked up to 35. But it's a pretty smooth release. Like it's a nice catch and shoot. You look at his analytics, was an above-average catch-and-shoot guy last year, about 62nd percentile. And for that floor spacing with Coleman, but also being physical, and yeah, even with Dane, the ability to step out and shoot a little bit more than what Illinois had last year is something that is intriguing. And I think defensively, while I'll admit, when I first looked and saw his numbers last year, I kind of raised my eyebrows. Like, oh, that's, yeah. not, that's not something you want to see. But as I watched, like I watched his NIT game – against Wisconsin last night and him guarding Tyler Wall did a pretty darn good job now uh, it helped that having a seven footer come over with help when he was backing him down to help contest some of his shots but Tyler Wall who we all respect is a really good Big Ten player went one for nine from the field in that game I just thought Quincy with his physicality uh, ability to, to hold his ground and, and have the size to really contest guys I think he can match up with some fours and I mean he's even guarded a guy like Jaime Jaquez it's it's the quicker more explosive get-by-you wings that he struggled with because he's not the most explosive athlete, not the quickest guy. So uh, someone that at the four, and you mentioned it too, like even a small ball five in some instances. And I agree. I don't think that when you look at Harmon, you look at Damask, you look at uh, Gary A, not guys that really like overlap too much and say, well, this guy's here, so this prevents this from working if like Coleman comes back or – uh, we can talk about – I know some people are maybe concerned about what does this mean for Ty Rogers and his opportunities. We do all know that Ty's very positionally versatile and will yeah. we'll find his way onto the court too. So, uh, And he's played a role. Like He went to Oregon. He wasn't a star player. I, I think he's someone that, similar to those other guys, can just be a nice role piece that you can slot in there and, and maybe not worry about him wanting a ton of shots or expect, expecting that he's going to come in and be this – this NBA stock riser that's going to all of a sudden be a first-round pick. He's he can come in and, and play a a nice role for you and do some some things that yeah are versatile and and impact different areas. Because if he's going to make the NBA, it's going to be as a three and D guy, right? Like yep. it's going to be as a role player, and I I think he can do that pretty well with good pieces around him. Uh, we're watching this film of him, and you can see why Brad Underwood wanted to p- pair him with Kofi Coburn. Like, this is kind yeah. of the ideal of those years. Like, what was the weakness of Illinois? It was not having a Quincy Guerriere and E.J. Liddell type player. And while he's not as explosive of an athlete as E.J. Liddell was, like, you can tell, Derek, why uh, they wanted him uh, so bad is, is he would have kind of filled that role. And if you have Coleman Hawkins, him, you know, Amani Hansberry and Dane Danger, uh, that would be – feel really good about that front court, wouldn't you? For sure, yeah. And you, you have the, the physicality to be able to hold up on the glass and defensively. And, yeah, I mean, if you're going to face what you have in the past, like a Dante Scott, like an E.J. Liddell, uh, some other big fours that are physical, like he's a guy that can match up and, and hold his ground and, and cover those. And also, yeah, I mean, especially now with the way his three-point shot has at least become capable, that would pair with even a, a five-man that's going to be, you know, lane-locked in, in a Dane Danger that can maybe play on the – he can play four out in that kind of a sense. But if you have someone like Coleman that can stretch it out and, and play on the perimeter, then Quincy can go inside and, and mix it up on the glass and even post some guys that are 
uh, smaller and, and allow to have that that size advantage work out for you. And I do think you mentioned it too. And I was texting with our guy, Mike Latulip, who was diving into the film too. Like, I think that a thing that I've seen and have heard about him is defensively just, he is good in rotations. He's, I mean, he's going to be 23 years old. He's played 130 games at the high major level. He knows where to be. He's, he's a very experienced player. I just think that there's something to be said for that. Where obviously Illinois had a lot of youth and, and experience last year. And I think having, that him in that mix Dane's played has a year under his belt now Coleman obviously would come back and and, and be a, a senior like there there's that experience there and I even think Imani Imani's a high IQ player high motor physical I, li- I like that front court if that's how it p- plays out this is Tony Kornheiser show I'm Tony we expected someone else so what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Coleman Hawkins said he wanted to get older if, he, if he's going to return. Um, man, Damask be 22-23, right? Terrence Shannon yep. would be 23 next year. Coleman Hawkins uh, would be a senior, obviously. Um, you said it, Gary Air would be 23 years old. That, that's an old team. I mean, Dane Danger would be in his fourth year of college, right? So Luke Goody would be a junior. Um, Ty Rogers and C. Harris, sophomore. Like, that's an old, old team that I think Brad Underwood uh, isn't going to cause him as many uh, gastrointestinal problems as probably last year. Yeah, that's what he wants. He wants to get older. Uh, I know that some will look at it and say, are you going too heavy on one-year guys and then worrying about a complete makeover of the roster after next year, which – I, again, it, it comes back to the point. Most people are building their roster on a year-by-year basis. Now, there is there is interest, and Illinois has liked some multi-year transfer guys. Now, if you get into the high end of that, they might only be there for one year anyway because they can go to the draft. But there, it's obvious that I think their approach is impacted somewhat by the idea that Hawkins has a pretty good chance to come back and that they think that Terrence is legitimately considering it and, and at least uh, – maybe a coin flip and and maybe even a, a little bit better potentially uh, of coming back just based on what feedback he gets in the coming weeks. But to really double down on this year and winning and Illinois has the appeal, the resources to be a competitive NCAA tournament quality team year in and year out. And Brad's not going to try to sacrifice that. If you take a, a year off, not to say that you're just going to punt a year, but if you were to have a younger roster and, and risk, not going to the tournament one year all of a sudden you wonder about what that that appeal looks like or what you go back to the donors and try to get the nil money and maybe people are 
are soured a little bit. So you got to try to win every year. And yeah, I, he wanted to get older regardless. And you look around the, the country. I mean, look what Texas had, look what Penn state had. Like there's a number of teams that just got really old and that obviously has a lot of value. Why not do it if you, if you can. Yeah. And I think you, you probably worry a little less about chemistry. Like obviously that's got to work its way out, but with old guys, you probably worry a little bit less about that. Right. Because I know they all got their individual goals, but I think I think Domas knows what he's coming in to do. I think Gary Air would know what he's coming in to do. Justin Harmon, like these guys are all hungry, especially Domas and Harmon, just to play at this level and show they can compete at this level. While Gary Air, he knows what college basketball is. He knows what he needs to be to to be a pro. Definitely, and I, I think when you have Harmon and Domas, guys that from the mid to low major level coming in, and both guys mid majors that just want to prove themselves at the high major level and, and have a chance to compete on a team that's going to go to the tournament and, and win and everything like that. And not to say that they aren't thinking about maybe some pr- professional aspirations and development that can get them in a good spot for after college, but you're not asking them to do anything they haven't already done. That was maybe one difference last year. You bring in Meyer, you bring in Shannon, hadn't been stars at the high major level and they needed to be that for you. Now we always come back to, and I agree, it's worth reiterating, like, you weren't going to be a tournament team last year without those guys. And for the most part, it pretty much worked out. Uh, and I, I think that, yeah, both with those guys and even uh, Gary A, like they've played roles. I, I think that what you're going to ask out of them is is not beyond their capabilities. And maybe you had you – could, you could pinpoint Meyer who wanted to come in and, and was going to be more of a focal point and thought a lot about his own individual game and whether that – played into the, the chemistry or whatnot. I think also if you were to get Hawkins and especially Shannon back together, you already have Ty there, you have Goody there, shouldn't be chemistry or culture issues because you've got guys established there. And when yeah. you mix in those other transfers, then they have those that they can kind of lean on and, and follow their lead where last year you didn't have that. Yeah, and I think Shannon Hawkins would be comfortable in those roles. Goody would just be on the court, and he's always comfortable uh, speaking. And then I think Ty Rogers has talked about, uh, I want to be more of a leader. I need to be more of a leader uh, this year after what happened last year. Derek, I, I guess we're assuming, like, Quincy Carrier jumps on board. Like, we don't know where else he'll decide to go if he decides to take any other visits. I'm sure we would find that out quickly after this. But you start thinking about if Hawkins and Shannon did come back, if you land a point guard, we'll get to that here in a second. And you add the three guys, like if you had Gary Air, Damask, Harmon, that's a team that can compete atop the Big Ten. Now, a lot has to play out there. You have to land your point guard. You need Shannon and Hawkins to come back. But even if only one of those guys comes back from the NBA and you add a point guard, like that's a team that can compete uh, in towards the top half of the Big Ten. And if you get Hawkins and Shannon back, that's a team that could you know be predicted to be a top three or four team in the Big Ten. For sure. I mean, that would be a squad that some would pick and consider to win the Big Ten title. Like, Michigan State is going to have a lot of hype, obviously, bringing back Walker and having Hogard. And I would have Aiken. Michigan State because of the guard play I feel really comfortable about. Uh, but Hauser, losing him, uh, yeah. isn't easy. But Purdue, too. I mean, you still – I know they lost That's to true. a 16 seed, but they have Zach Eady, Uh And that's probably good for 13 Big Ten wins in itself. That's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> Purdue's not losing a whole lot, and they obviously ran right through the Big Ten this past year. But, uh, yeah, like as far as having experience, having I, I think they would check a lot of boxes. Again, a lot, like you said, 
does it depend on landing that point guard that can be a facilitator? I think he, if it can be a shot maker and really just be a big splash at that position, which is something that the waiting game is, is getting a lot for some fans out there, but we still got a lot of time or a decent amount of time to have it play out. And Shannon coming back would be one of the best guards, maybe one of maybe the best guard in the Big Ten, depending on how things play out. But uh, that if those dominoes fall that certain way, I just feel like this team would be pretty deep. And I mean, we're talking about guys that as far as the transfers, as far as the NBA draft decisions, like what if Ty takes a huge step forward? Yeah. What if Luke come, you know, being healthy comes into his own and uh, like, but you're not counting on that. Unlike last year, right? Like right. you needed Even RJ. Yeah. Yeah. You needed RJ Melendez to take a huge leap. Like Dane actually was a, probably a pleasant surprise over the entire season. I don't even end well, but you're not counting on that this year. Like um, you have more knowns uh, on the team just because of the experience and uh, you know, they've done it at this level, but Derek, it is, it is a waiting game for point guard. And uh, I think that would suggest something heavily that Illinois is waiting on NBA draft decisions and that uh, they, they feel pretty confident they will land somebody who's going through the NBA draft process. Am I, am I far off there? No, I agree with you. I think that that, that obviously lines up and uh, it is something where until a guy hits the portal there is going to be some angst maybe from the the fan base or just seeing this process play out and, and there there have been guys who have been rumored like okay this guy is has some buzz that he's going to go in and then he decides that he doesn't so mm-hmm. you hope that doesn't ultimately play out uh there are obviously some guys that when you look at it it, it would make total sense for them to if they do come back and those that aren't really on draft mock drafts or, or put position where it makes sense for them to go that to not go back to their their destination so uh, i just think sometimes it's it's more convenient for players that are out of school right now to wait as long as possible because it can be a little awkward if you if you hit the portal and, and then you're there at school and i i think that can play into it too and, and some just want to be entirely focused on the draft some don't want the distraction of going in the portal having the phone blow up and let's be honest a number of these are worked out in terms of where guys want to go before they even hit the portal. So I think that it's yeah. it's well within the realm of possibility that Illinois knows pretty much who they want to get if he becomes available, and, and we'll have that play out when we get there. But uh, we still have a handful of weeks before the portal window closes, so uh, it's not like you're tomorrow if the guy's not in the portal. Illinois is not going to have a point guard. But, uh, yeah, I think it's very fair that they – are looking towards the those that are in the draft and, and making those decisions. And if they decide to come back to school, then Illinois has a lot of appeal. Like yeah. the playing time there, the pieces they can put around them, the NIL, all of that, they should have a great sell. It's just uh, being able to check those final boxes and making sure it's a done deal. You mentioned Ty Rogers um, potentially impacted by this. If, if Illinois does land Quincy Guerriere, how would it impact the rest of the roster? Um, will Goody, um, Dane Danger potentially uh, involved in that? How do you feel? The way I see it, I think that it would make sense to play Gary A at the at the four as a starting four and, and roll with Coleman at the five if he comes back and slot Dane in as a backup five man. And it, while obviously the staff is going to see how all these guys develop, I think that the the first thing that comes to mind, and you can try to configure starting lineups and see how it plays out and worry about okay if these guys are slotted in the starting five what does this mean for the next tier 
Like if Ty Rogers outplays Gary A and, and or Damask, like number one, all those guys are going to play. But in terms of like worrying about that, I think Brad's not scared of internal competition. I don't think he wants to make uh, a ton of grand promises and just let guys compete for their spots and their roles and, and let that thing play out. So uh, there is some kind of impact when you bring in Domask, you bring in Gary A. If you do, if you get Shannon back that at one point in the offseason, you could have probably penciled tie in as a starter. Maybe now you don't. Right. But uh, again, like because of his positional versatility, he can play the three, he can play the four, he can even slot in as a, a point forward. And I think that maybe we'll see how Justin Harmon looks at a uh, backup point guard role, assuming that's what he's going to play. And uh, as far as getting minutes th- at that position as well, uh, I do think in addition, like you wonder about Monty Hansberry, how much minutes he would get yeah. early as a freshman. If Coleman's going to play more five, if Dane's going to be a backup five, I think that early on, I've said it before, I think Hansberry is probably more of a small ball five early until that jump shot really is solidified, especially from three. So uh, you might wonder how much Amani would get playing time-wise right off the bat. And, yeah, Luke Goody, more competition for him when you bring in Damask and you bring in uh, Gary A as well. So competition is there. But, I mean, competition from a coach's standpoint is good as long as there's a good vibe within the locker room. And I think that having guys that, at, the, at least as far as we understand right now, you imagine I think the roles could play out a little bit more seamlessly this year than what they did last year yeah competition is almost like a dirty word in the portal era because everyone yeah. wants it but us uh, arkansas yeah like that that was about to bring them up it's like yeah arkansas doesn't have a problem with him they keep winning games um and i think that that goes to leadership that goes to guys being bought in it goes into the people around them right the, the people around the kids understanding what the process is and, and I keep repeating this, like Ty Rogers understood what the process was. He, he kind of understood. I'm a top 50 recruit, but I have to earn this. Luke Goody has understood that, right? Um, you know, Sincere Harris seems to be bought into that for the most part. So uh, I think those guys understood that. Coleman Hawkins kind of understood that coming in. Um, but not everyone's going to be happy. And somebody's going to transfer. You don't want to transfer. It's going to happen. But you got to build the best roster each year. And I think that's what we're seeing out of Brad Underwood is the expectations at Illinois aren't to have a rebuilding year. Um, you know, he's got pressure on him to, to advance in the tournament. He's got pressure on him to, to finish in the top half of the Big Ten and, and make a run at some point. So um, the way this is – I'm kind of impressed how this is all coming out, though, Derek. Like, the way this is going because Justin Harmon does not impact your point guard pursuit. It does not impact Terrence Shannon. Uh, Domas does not impact getting Quincy Garrier. Um, Quincy Garrier does not impact Coleman. Like, it only strengthens all of those things. So – if, if the Gary Air domino falls, like the way these dominoes are falling, it's it's been pretty impressive how he's been handling building this roster and that there's been some urgency of adding pieces, but it's not hurting them of potentially adding more down the line, if you get what I mean. Yeah, definitely. It, it fits together. The, the yeah. plan fits together and it all has, as far as we can tell, it, it, it makes sense in that, like you said, it, it doesn't, step on too many toes and that if like if Coleman comes back if Shannon comes back will those guys be rubbed the wrong way and while some fans might be looking at someone like Gary A or I know Justin Harmon some might be well I might have wanted a a bigger name uh someone you know not from Utah Valley but last year I mean they went for two of the biggest names in the portal and Shannon and Meyer and something didn't click chemistry wise and role wise and maybe there's something to be said for 
having some additions that you've done the homework of this guy will be okay with this role and this guy will fit with this guy. And uh, I think that there's been just a very calculated process of, of doing that. And I think to go back on, on Gary A, like it seems like a good pivot in my estimation as far as, well, we, we were interested in taking some big swings at the five. Not to say if the, if the dominoes aligned and, and a, a situation really made sense that Illinois would would just completely fold on, on doing that if there was something that like that that made sense. But uh, to then go to Gary A and say, yeah, we can bring him in at the four and put Coleman at the five, and that's actually a really good tandem mm-hmm. as far as how they could complement each other. And, yeah, I, I just like that the way he's approached it. I think it's created a situation where you can have a lot of internal competition and maybe not worry about guys uh, being too upset about it. And you don't have as many freshmen. You don't have as many – as much inexperience, as much worry about guys having to, to hit the portal after one year. Now you do have two coming in that you would hope that Gibbs Lawhorn and, and Hansberry either want to understand enough of what their role is going to be and are willing to ride it out or uh, will get the opportunity to to have them satisfied. But then again, you got to try to win. You, you got to try to be competitive. Because you can, and you can hand to... freshmen the biggest roles and – they might not be happy, as we saw with two certain guards this year. Yeah. And, I, like, if, if you can load up a roster and have them in position to, to be a top half, maybe even a an upper-tier, top-five caliber Big Ten team, go to the tournament and, and make some some real noise, which I think you could if you got Shannon and, and Hawkins back, you got to do it. Yeah. And, I mean, UConn's even another example of, like, they went in the portal – and yeah, Tristan Newton was a, a starter for them, kind of a you know a role piece in, in that. But uh, you know they had a NBA caliber freshman big man coming off the bench. They had uh, a, a shooter in Calcaterra from San Diego coming off the bench. Uh, Modiara coming off the bench, a guard that they added in the in the portal. Like they made it work. Where Texas is another example. Serge Barry Rice coming off the bench as a as a portal guy. Like and you know what happens? Some of those guys who are role players on those great teams who go far in the tournament, they become NBA draft prospects, like Andre Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's pretty it's pretty amazing how uh, rising tide can lift all boats there. Um, and uh, we'll see if that happens with Illinois. All right, Derek. Before we get out of here, and people can send in their questions and comments, we'll we'll get to some of those before we get out of here. I want to ask. Uh, let's talk about one thing each returner could potentially work on. I'm going to bring up the NBA guys, uh, just because they're still potential returners. Uh, so we got six guys we could talk about here. But let's start with Coleman Hawkins because I, I feel like more so than Shannon, he can gain more by coming back to college. Like, what do you think is the one thing that he really needs to to show if he does come back? I know decision-making is, is something that really comes to mind early on when you think about – and we'll see how much the ball is in his hands. You get a legit point guard, you take some of the burden off of him for a playmaking standpoint. So I think that's still something – and it, it goes into his shot selection too. When you got the step-back threes, you got the threes from from way beyond the three-point arc. Uh, I think that's something that you got to look at with him and, and see if he can just mature like a – an upperclassman traditionally does. He sees what works, what doesn't, and, and can learn some of that. those things. I think three-point shooting, We keep, I know Brad has continually said he can be an elite shooter, and yeah. we haven't necessarily seen that play out. If he can just be more consistent, I see him – he could be a really dangerous pick-and-pop five if that materializes. I think that would be a really big asset for Illinois. So I think his jump shot is something definitely the NBA is going to want to see because he's got to be better than 28% of the college line if he's going to – 
go to the draft and, and really elevate in, in another year as far as his draft stock. So uh, for me, I think three-point shooting is something that I come to mind, you know, first and foremost, decision-making too, uh, which you, you tend to kind of expect it for an upperclassman. Uh, but I think he can still be that like, sec- secondary playmaker, that type of guy, um, but shooting for sure. Yeah, I think you hit it with decision-making. Like, he's got to improve his shot. Like, I, I think a big reason he should come back is I need to show I can shoot 35% from three at the college yeah. level. But some of that's decision-making. Like, those logo threes, that's not his game. Uh, I think he could be helped a lot but with a point guard. Like, they, they just did not have good passing outside of Coleman really last year. Like, Terrence was one of their best passers, which is not say, like saying a lot. Um, they just didn't have a lot of very good passers. So I think he can be helped with that where you can be a secondary playmaker instead of running the point. But yeah, his, his dribble, when he's dribbling the ball, sometimes the decision-making goes, but I think he'll be in less of those opportunities. And then just Derek, like got to remember like last year was the first time he was like a high usage player. So I think coming back a year, he can show like what he learned from all of that. So I, I agree with you with decision-making. All right. Terrence Shannon, Derek Piper what would be your one thing he must work on. I think you want to see his right hand get better as well. Like, I mean, he's definitely a, a left-hand driver and, and see if he can uh, add to that ability to go right and, and be more comfortable with it. We saw when he was ball handling, which probably not going to have a situation like Purdue where Brandon Newman's hounding him deep in the backcourt and he's having to bring it up. Ideally, you get a point guard uh, and you have someone like Justin Harmon, who's a combo that uh, can handle uh, that you don't put him in, the, in those type of situations. Um I think consistency, uh, just overall assertiveness, like yeah. in the first half of games, like that's got to be first half. Shannon needs to be done like that. That yeah. stuff. Like I, I kept harping on as the year went on. Like, why is the best player not aggressive? Like because he's so good. You see him in the second half, just go like they need him to be, as you said, the word assertive from the get go. Because when he yep. is, boy, you see in the second half, he's he's an all American type player, right? So that has to be something where he's a tone setter. You can't have him, you're on the wrong side of an 8-0, 10-0 run, and he's kind of just taking a back seat. Like, he's got to, with his play, be a leader. While Coleman maybe is more naturally vocal, if you're talking about leadership, uh, I think uh, Terrence, with his play, has to be able to do that. I still think – I was surprised last year that he wasn't more of that, at least as far as when we saw some things go awry and there was some adversity that Terrence wasn't – leading some guys or getting in huddles and really being uh, someone that pulls things together. I think that's something too, but yeah, definitely assertiveness with his play early on has got to be something he addresses. Dane danger, Derek, one thing he can work on. I said, decision-making with Coleman. I think some of that applies to Dane when he's in the post, like just knowing when you can do a simple move of a one power dribble and go up like versus trying to do spin moves and, and, and thinking too much as far as uh, being fancy on the block. But uh, we know he's got great touch. He can use either hand. If, if he can be a little bit more awareness where it comes yeah. to knowing when he can do that, I think awareness too, if if he's going to play, I don't know if we'll see if Brad's going to go spread and, and putting Dane in that pinch post. That might be a, a thing in the past when you get a legit point card, maybe it's more ball screen oriented, but I think passing is still something. Uh, when he got double teamed, that was something that he didn't handle all that well. Uh, but I, I probably buried the lead a little bit. I think drop coverage is something that, early on look great early on he was really good and as time went went through the season like he was not doing a good job showing on the ball recovering and kind of just left a lot of of open space there as he would just 
gravitate towards under the rim and, and not providing a whole lot of resistance. Yeah, for for me, um, I feel like you were kind of hitting on it, but for me, it's kind of like processing time. And it's probably something that comes with experience, but you know, sometimes you can be deliberate and slow and it works to your advantage because you get the defense to, to have to think about it. But I just felt like his processing time was was really slow last year and his decision-making, what he wanted to do, knowing hey, the guy's on my right side, like this is what I need to do when that happens. Uh, I just think that stuff gets sped up. And I think that's just experience. I, I think that that comes with experience. But I, I felt like he became almost, like Michael Tewitt mentioned this, a selfish defender in that he didn't want his guy to score. And that kind of screwed up his responsibilities with drop coverage. Like um, Trace Jackson Davis, it all changed when Trace Jackson Davis seemingly went for 35 when they were going one-on-one with him. Um and sometimes those guys are going to score on you, man, but you still got to take care of stopping the ball. And sometimes you just didn't stop the ball and, and drop coverage. That's what you need to do. Yeah, you have to. Uh, Coleman was much better at that as the, the season went on. I know that they're uh, Gregory in the chat saying free throws. That definitely is something, too, that is is a big focus for him in the offseason. Maybe mm-hmm. one more behind the back will do it. Like I know that fans really like – yeah, can we do like a front dribble? I, 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 but I kind of agree with that theory. Like, I don't like you moving like your center of gravity doing that. Like, just take the one dribble and shoot it. I don't know. It, it's maybe the fanciest setup for a guy that's shot around fifty percent from yeah. uh, the free throw line. But I digress. He was a good free throw shooter in high school, wasn't he? I think he was. He's probably more Better. decent. I mean, he he was a guy that in high school could step out and hit mid range, even an occasional three. But I uh, haven't seen that much college level. Do we have anything for Luke Goody? It just be healthy. Yeah, <laughs> I think if he can continue to improve his lateral quickness, yeah. if that's something they can address as far as the the strength and conditioning portion to help him defensively. I don't think he's a he's not a terrible defender by any means, but uh, he doesn't have the same type of of range and, and quick twitch athleticism as some other guys. Uh, he, he kind of is what he is as far as the role offensively. Like he's a, a catch and shoot. I don't ever see him doing a whole lot, like going to the basket as a driver. Uh, maybe someone that can shot fake, take a dribble or two into the mid range and pull from there. I think it's something that he can he can show as well. He's he's already a high IQ player. He's already a guy that is willing to scrap and fight for everything yep. in, in terms of rebounding. So uh, if, if he can continue to just work on the defensive side and and try to become a little bit more uh, mobile and agile. I think that would be something that can help him. But, yeah, he's, he's pretty solidified in his role. It's just experience and being available. Yeah, because I think he's a pretty good team defender. Knows where to be, when to be there. But, yeah, if you can just get a little quicker, a little bit more explosive, maybe get better rebounder, like uh, Luke Goody can get a ton of minutes on this team. All right, Ty Rogers. we saw so much improvement throughout the season. I know the easy one would be jump shot. I don't think that's his role. Derek free throws would be one of these but his confidence got so much better I, for me it'd be working on those runners those little runners in the lane his post-ups um, I think that's how his offensive game expands I don't think he's gonna become a three-point shooter next year I'm with you I do think they are going to spend ample time trying to work on the jump shot because if you can be someone that if they leave him from three and he can take an occasional one or if he can step in and take a 15 footer and, and just in general another guy free throw wise that you really want to see improve a lot but finishes around the basket and a big one for me is get a left hand like yes a lot of times he drove and did that 
Yeah, contorted with the right hand, which he made uh, a handful of them, but le- left hand finishes, you have the body on the inside, it shields the defender a lot better, you don't get blocked, and it's just a, a more natural finishing move for him. So if he can add that where he can go right or left and, and finish either hand, like he's someone that when he was on the ball, it was hard to keep him from getting to the paint. Like He, he gets really where he wants. Job. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. A kind of a Jalen Pickett thing. He just bullies people. Yep, and maybe add some more of that. Like, try to think about when he is in the positions to be an on-ball guy. Can he start to that that booty ball back down? Take a little piece of uh, Jalen Pickett and see uh, how that goes. Because I mean, he's obviously got the physical build and can can get where he wants off the bounce because he's a talented handler. All right, last one, Sincere Harris. Uh, I don't know if there's much on the defensive end or intensity or any of that we need to talk about. For me, Derek, it's finishing at the rim. He was a better three-point shooter than I thought. He was confident, more confident than I thought. He should be at times, but he made uh, some of them. Big 10 play dropped off. But for me, it's it's finishing at the rim. That we The dunks at the beginning of the season, but uh, the decision-making sometimes led to some misses. But 55% at the rim was a team worst. Next worst was Ty Rogers. So that's stuff they, they got to work on as freshmen. But uh, he's got to up that past 60%. Definitely. I think that composure – plays into that just not being as sped up knowing when to slow down a little bit i mean he's a guy that plays 100 miles an hour and you love that defensively um that's something that as time goes on you just get a little more comfortable and you get in games and you get excited and you try to you see an opening to the basket and got to dunk on him yeah you gotta try try to dunk on some guys it's not as sexy to do a jump stop Derek. but sometimes it's more effective uh I, i didn't have a vertical leap so i like the jump stop but it's the most underrated move in basketball it's a great skill so i think something like that just more craftiness around the basket more strength will help him too i think it's something that is obviously going to be a big focus is just getting him stronger that'll help him even more defensively uh, where he can't get bullied uh, on guys that are have bigger frames trying to back him down or or just kind of give him that shoulder but also going to the basket absorbing some contact and I just think as time goes on, it's a, it's a natural pro- progression for younger guys to have the game slow down and get stronger. You can improve as a at the rim finisher, and hopefully that's something that happens for him. I mean, he's he's got explosiveness and he's yeah. got the ability to to make some plays as far as that goes. And yeah, this decision making because there are some times we look at each other and be like, oh, why is sincere doing this on offense? He's going up. Sincere's got that look in his eye. Um, Kenny. Free throws for Sincere, too. Yeah, Sincere was the worst of them all. Four of 20 from the free throw line, which doesn't make sense because he made 13 of 41 from the three-point line. Uh, but Ty Rogers, 12 of 31, 39%. Dane Danger made them look like terrible, um, even worse free throw shooters. 52% for uh, Dane Danger. Yeah, that all that all needs to improve. I, and the thing about Danger and, and Rogers is they can get to the free throw line so it's really key for those guys uh, to improve there. Definitely, yeah. And another guy I know that some have looked, and, and Gary A was a 58% free throw shooter this past year. Wasn't great at the line, but uh, if you do want a, a bit of a bright spot, like his sophomore and junior year, you look at his in-conference free throw shooting, is about 70%. So he's he's shown to be capable, took a dip last year. You hope that he's a guy that doesn't hold you down because it, it already is a roster that – has some limitations at the free throw line. And, and like you said, like with Ty, the way he can attack, and I, I just think you'll see a more aggressive Ty and, and 
he can be a dude next year. I, I think that his passing is going to improve and just show more. It's something that really stood out uh, in high school and him going to the to the line as long as he can make a little bit more of an adequate percentage, like yeah. can really put some points up there. Uh, by the way, Justin Harmon, seventy three percent last year, seventy eight percent the year before. Damask, eighty seven percent. Terrence Shannon was seventy nine percent. Coleman Hawkins could Coleman get better. Be better. Yeah, Coleman sixty one percent. So um, a lot of those returners could definitely get better at that. So. I think we uh, hit on all those guys. I'll, I'll look for any possibilities. Okay, let's do this one before we get out of here. Jordan, are we still in on Hunter? What other big men are we after? Hunter's busy on these visits, man. He's going to some blue bloods. He's busy. He's going to or might already be at Lawrence right now, visiting Kansas this week uh, over the weekend, Georgetown and Maryland, and it's been announced that he's going to go to Kentucky next week as well. No announcement or word as far as a – visit to Illinois. I know there's some buzz out there about a maybe early May decision for Hunter. So uh, if we don't see something really materialized on that front, I, it's hard to believe that that one's going to happen. Now, I think that conversations, especially conversations between Terrence and Hunter, I think are ongoing. And uh, there's a good relationship there. Like Hunter really wanted to play with TJ last year and was very upset and uh, publicly so. Did, so was I it Trotter that asked him that? Or was it you? I, I, I think it, it might have been. I can't remember. Somebody, somebody asked him, what transfer would you want to play with? And this is after the, the supposed Shannon-Michigan mishap with admissions. Um, Hunter just said, Terrence Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's standing over there. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he likes him a lot. And um, I think that's a sell for Illinois. I mean, Illinois has a sell, let's be honest. Oh. Like, when you have NIL money, you have the fact how you use Kofi. When you have Terrence and – there's been talk about, you know, Hunter, which he should want to go somewhere where he can win big next year. Illinois, if they got Hunter and Shannon back and Coleman back and some of the additions they've already made, like that would be a really, really good team, uh, a national contending type of team. So uh, I just, I've from the get go, have had skepticism that Hunter would actually do that, <laughs> come here. I, I think that you'd have to be a, have a natural just um, dislike some carryover from the rivalry when it comes to fan base in illinois and, and it's everything a business and, decision derek this is a business decision for hunter. I, I get it <laughs> I, and i think that there are differing opinions on how much hunter cares what the people back in our ann arbor think like juan hurting feelings teammates like he can tell them maryland is i want to go closer to home going to illinois is, is less explainable i think in, in my opinion i mean he could say like it'd be winning parents i want to win it'd be winning in nil if it's Illinois, yeah. and it's the same thing for Kentucky, Kansas, all those places. Yeah, like Maryland, Georgetown, close to home. But is Georgetown ready to win? I don't think so. Maryland would be. Uh, so that that's why Maryland makes a lot of sense. But it's also Kentucky, Kansas, right? Like, yeah. dude, that's that's big time. I think you just you, you poison the well a little bit more if you stay in the Big Ten and go to Illinois. You can go to Kansas. I, get a- I think that might be a positive for Hunter at the end of the day, <laughs> based on what we Hold know about Hunter. Villain, man, he could. I'd have to remember who would be one of the comparable villains. I mean, like, obviously, Grayson Allen was highly disliked. Greatest villains. Yeah, greatest villains that we've covered in the Big Ten. I mean, I don't think he wanted to be, but people hated Aaron Kraft. Yes, that's a great one. They hated him because he was a try-hard guy and all the announcers loved him, especially Dockage. Dockage, yep. But, um, yeah, I loved Watt. Like, I wanted him on my team. Like, I don't think anybody was sitting there going, like, 
Aaron Kraft made an impact on winning on those Ohio State teams. So, um, was Alan Griffin? I mean, Trent Frazier might have been for a little bit there. So the Michigan schools, Michigan schools, especially. That's true. Uh, I think in terms of other bigs, like I mentioned, they they were highly interested in Jesse Edwards. Didn't work out. Um, you think about some other ones that are out there. I know that uh, Texas Tech. Daniel Bacho is someone that is pretty intriguing, uh, a French big man that showed some really good things at Maui last year. He had a great performance against Creighton and Ryan Kalkbrenner, uh, also put up 21 points up on Ohio State. He's 6'11", good athlete, rim runner. I think that's something that before this Garrier um, visit and this whole thing materialized, I'm not saying I know for a fact that him coming in is going to X out a potential of getting a five-man, but then when you think about it, if you get a five and then you play Coleman at the four, then you're really talking about impacting Ty Rogers. Then you're really talking about impacting yeah. uh, Luke Goody. And you wonder, like, if you get Gary A and all of a sudden he's off the bench and is there a potential where Damas doesn't play as much, then I think you wonder about chemistry. But, again, like, if, if there's a certain name that really makes sense and uh, it's – if Hunter says, I want to come to Illinois, then you're not telling him no. I mean, yeah. and if there's some other guys that were to hit the portal and that happens, then – uh, you're obviously you're not telling them no either. Uh, I saw Brad Davis. Yeah, I, was about, I was about to put this one out there. Some of the villains, Brad Davis. You know, an underrated one I thought of. Fantastic call. Early, early Fran era, mid Fran era. Adam Woodbury. Yeah. <laughs> the eye poker. He just poked everyone's <laughs> eye. The Captain Insano eye gouge guy. <laughs> Captain um, Insano. Uh, Musa uh, Musa Cisse, familiar name. Played at Christ the King. Same time, uh, I think they overlapped one year with Kofi there. Yeah. Uh, he's in the portal. That's his second time. Again, I think rim running, athleticism, rim protection, that was what I had heard you know, a week, two weeks ago as far as what the, the five-man prototype would look like. Obviously, Hunter's outside of that. He trumps it yeah. with the star power. But that's kind of what they've been interested in. But I think that Gary A potentially is the pivot. Yeah. Uh, Hunter Dickinson – Phenomenal player, I'd take him. Offensively amazing. Yes. I hope I have Coleman Hawkins back if Hunter Dickinson's on the team because I need somebody to cover up some defensive flaws if, yeah. if Hunter Dickinson is on my team. Um, Brian Cardinal, Jeremy said, is a potential villain. I mean, nobody compares to the coaches probably. And I, I think Bobby Knight's obviously number one for, for most people. Would number one for Illinois fans be Juwan Howard? I mean, the rest of the Big Ten is Juwan Howard right now. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because Izzo, I think, even if people don't like him, and, and some of the, you got to respect the guy. Right. Um, Fran's fun. There's Fran. Fran's fun to not like, but, I mean, you meet him in person. Fran seems like a pretty nice guy. but Definitely. Is Fred I Hoiberg mean, the I, I least hateable? Is, is Fred Hoiberg the least hateable coach in the Big Ten? I guess Ben Johnson, because he's not threatening to anybody. He's not relevant <laughs> enough to be hateable. Yeah, Fred – Unless you got obviously here Bulls fans who are still angry about what happened there, but I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily his fault. Yeah, he was just in over his head. I, Jimmy Butler just <laughs> completely owned him in his first week, and it was downhill from there. Yeah. So, Fred, nice guy though. Really nice. Well, Hannon's another one that they threw oh! out there. In the That's a good one too. That's a really good one. Yeah, good call, Mark. All right, Derek Piper, thank you for the insight on Quincy Guerriere, everything Illinois basketball. People can check out more at IlliniInquirer.com. And I guess the AAU circuit, uh, prep recruiting, still happening. Yes. So the staff going to hit the road here. 
Live period coming up on Friday, first one of the spring. You got back-to-back weekends where they can get out on the AAU circuit. Uh, it will be interesting, like just how much of a priority is high school recruiting, how big of classes will be going forward. They obviously have Merez currently in the 2024 class. Just intrigued to see his progression. Now he's going to be playing He playing 17U. It's his last go-around on the circuit. What does he show against other top-notch big men and his progression as far as his jump shot and everything? Uh, he had a pretty encouraging junior season there at uh, St. Rita. So building on that is going to be interesting to see. Uh, Cole Serta, a guy they've shown a lot of interest in, obviously recruited pretty heavily. Uh, how he goes out and, and plays against other high major type of talents and uh, just translating that shooting to the AAU circuit, I think, with the Illinois Wolves is going to be interesting. So uh, EYBL kicking off in Atlanta. Uh, I know that a couple other sites, I believe uh, Adidas and Under Armour, one of them's out in Phoenix yeah. this week. Uh, EYBL going to Phoenix the following weekend. Uh, so it's like an uh, a, like prep recruiting is almost like an afterthought. <laughs> it is as crazy as it is because well the, some some staffs and I know there's been talk like some staffs are just going to stay home the first weekend and host transfers. And that 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 hurts the prep kids, right? Like that that's no. a that's a an impact of this. Um, but obviously they have chances in the summer. But it'll be interesting to watch. Derek Piper, thank you, man. Always fun, man. All right. Thank you to everybody watching on our live YouTube channel. If you don't already on your way out, hit the like button, subscribe, hit the notifications bell, and you'll uh, find out whenever else we do these live streams. So appreciate you guys. If you're listening on our podcast, give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcasts, and check out IlliniInquire.com for all the latest. It's a busy time in the spring with spring football. Spring football recruiting is really heating up. Got a lot of updates there. And, of course, Derek Piper has you covered on the transfer portal and everything Illinois basketball. So everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.